2: I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Kevin McDonald is an ingenious comedic performer and writer currently based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Originally from Toronto, McDonald is best known as a member of the hugely influential Canadian sketch comedy troupe, The Kids in the Hall. He has gone on to work in film, television, and he currently is the primary force behind the podcast, Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show, and he is also an in-demand instructor for his unique comedy workshops, which he teaches all over the world. On Friday, December 13th, 2019, McDonald returns to the Rivoli in Toronto, For two stagings of his new production, Kevin McDonald's Rock Opera. And he and I met for a chat in Toronto the day before where we discussed Jesus Christ Superstar, his podcast, John Lennon and the Beatles, a new show he's working on with the Kids in the Hall writer Norm Hiscock, big news for the Kids in the Hall and their fans for the year 2020, and much more a part of the E1 Podcast Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Tracadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Grandad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 512th episode of Creative Control featuring the tremendously funny Kevin McDonald of the Kids in the Hall with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, is Kevin there? Uh, Just a second, I'll check.
1: Kevin! (laughs) Kevin!
2: (laughs) Hi, Kevin here, who's this? hi, Kevin, it's Vishkana calling from Canada. Uh, Oh, hi, how are you? I'm well, it's nice to speak with you again. Well, I'm a little busy, but okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, I appreciate that you're busy. I I was thinking about you, because the last time you were on my show, uh, we spoke on the telephone, and I wanted to recreate that magic here today and uh, oh that's right that's right yeah it was a nice time i was in my office yes that's right where uh, actually that brings me as i do with most <laughs> my office my house I in, don't, in your uh, house yeah, you i'm not so it. successful that <laughs> i have an office outside of the house <laughs> kevin mcdonald industries is, is <laughs> yeah. all in your living room yeah or yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so uh, as, as i often do with uh, remote uh, interviews i ask my guests where in the world they are where in the world are you today kevin i'm
1: uh, i'm uh, four feet away from you in uh, <laughs> Toronto, Ontario, at a place that um, a part of town that didn't exist uh, when I lived
2: here last in 1996. What's it called? Liberty Village. I, sorry, the the connection is clear, but the call kind of dropped out there for a second. <laughs> hello, I, I missed part of what. Hello, are you hello? there, Kevin? You are me you me there? Up? Are you there? You're in uh, Liberty Village, did you say? This is the is first kid in the hall ch- uh, joke
1: we ever did in front of an audience. with uh, Luciano was the Luciano Cesmiere was original kid in the hall. Uh, we went in front of the audience and he got a mic and said, "Hello." Is this working? I know I am.
2: <laughs> Which I think is an <laughs> old million. <a> <laughs> that's a good joke. It's nice to speak with you again, I have to say. Thank you very much. As you know, uh, you mean a lot to me as a yes. human, as, exactly. a, as an artist, so it's nice to chat with you. Thank you very much. Now, friends. what brings you to Liberty Village in Toronto, per se? Beyond uh, speaking with me, why, why are we here today?
1: Well, uh, we are here to talk about the, the, the reason why I'm in Toronto in a general sense, and that is uh, I am uh, going to the old uh, comedy hunting grounds that is The Rivoli, um, uh, on Friday night December 13th Friday the 13th I just thought of that huh, and Is that uh, bad luck in showbiz? I, or maybe it's good luck in showbiz In okay. real life it's bad luck And never say Macbeth in a theater This is not a theater Is, it a, re- is a recording it's, studio it's a recording like recording. a theater? <laughs> it's kind of like that It's a performance Yeah You're just supposed to do something You're supposed to spin around backwards And say something uh, I don't know times. a lot about theater uh, uh, Is there, that are, a thing? Or superstition Yeah And Mark McKinney Scott Thompson Believed it And out of spite Dave and I, we were like doing our theater run. We were like rehearsing in a theater, and we, uh, we said Macbeth, 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 and then they, they freaked out, and Mark started crying, and they made us do these things. Dave refused to do it, but I, but I did it, <laughs> and they hoped it was good enough. <laughs> How did that go? Was it okay? That you... I think, it, I think that's the run where Lorne Michaels came and said, so. "Oh, it worked out for the best." <laughs> it worked out. For... <laughs> so does that mean there's no Macbeth thing, or that you have to do the around backwards thing? I, I Are remember. you
2: generally a superstitious person? You seem like you might be.
1: I am, but I also in the back of my mind know it's ridiculous, but, uh, oh, okay. but I also believe it. I believe it and I think it's ridiculous. Both. Yeah. Huh. I, I believe superstitious things. Um, I, I do say, um, if the next person that comes in the airplane is blonde, I'm going to get a, big part in the movie like I do stuff like that and I do genuinely get sad when the person
2: isn't blonde wait a minute you you actually create your own superstitions like yeah. I've not heard of that it's yeah blonde. I create my own yeah the Macbeth thing I don't know if I believe in it's my own though. <laughs> <I create laughs> yours, my own. Says, yours are actually valid okay so you're doing a production so to speak yes of Jesus Christ superstar? No, no. It's uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> I people keep thinking that. I've talked
1: so much. About, that's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, I was inspired by Jesus Christ superstar. Who uh, wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Who inspired? Wouldn't be. Uh, also I was like a Catholic who uh, I was like 12 when it came out so I was beginning to disbelieve in a way um, and uh, in the Catholic in the religion
2: just a religion uh, and um, Jesus uh, as a dude you find to be honorable oh, yeah. and believable
1: Jesus is like um, wasn't he the first uh, Gandhi or the first Martin Luther King he's he's sure. uh, he's Gandhi with a few magic tricks okay I think there's someone that existed at least said real loving peaceful stuff
2: sure okay so Jesus you don't have an issue with yeah religion Maybe Religion, yes Is yes. a problem Yeah, yeah, yeah okay.
1: I, I think so But Jesus Christ Superstar Really spoke to me First of all The music was great So you're Jesus Christ The great Jesus Christ Prove to me That you're no fool Walk across my swimming pool So the music is great
2: That sounded like a good song That's a
1: funny song Yeah <laughs> Um. What's the bus? I mean, what's happening? What's the bus And then Jesus turns around. And they're going, "What's the buzz?" Why do you want to know? Don't you care about the future? Um. The, so the music was cool when you're twelve. Um. But also. The lead character is really... A big Because here's the definition of lead character, Vish. Okay. Uh, the definition of lead character is a person who goes through the most changes. So the lead right. character in Jesus Christ Superstar is Judas. Right. Um, uh, because he's tortured, whether he, he, uh, he tricks himself into thinking that he's betraying Jesus for the good of the world. And at the end, he realized that maybe he was jealous of Jesus, and he did it for a uh, bitter reasons, and he did take the money. And he has uh, some amazing
2: songs. And the guy that played Judas was amazing. Carl... Anderson, maybe I don't. I don't know. I can't remember what what production of Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm talking about or, the movie. You're talking about the film. The, the movie, yeah, okay. yeah. And
1: then later, I bought the album, and that was great too. Uh, and who played Judah? Uh, the Deep Purple guy played
2: Jesus, right? <laughs> I think that's correct. Yeah, and I know I can, that the Judas guy the is also famous. I just forget who it is. Do you want right. me to look it up? I can look it up on my phone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll keep talking there. Yeah, you keep talking. So, hang,
2: so on, what, hang on, I have to have another uh, conversation. Uh, uh, just can, just one moment. Oh, hey uh, Siri. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Who played Jesus Christ Superstar? In, oh, wait, who played is, Judas? That, that, you're right. Sorry. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa it's, it's weird. Hey, Siri, who played uh, Judas in the film well, adaptation yeah, of Jesus Christ Superstar? <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really know.
1: Okay, I think it's Carl Anderson. It's Carl something. It's, um, Carl Weathers. No, that was Apollo
2: Creed. <laughs> Carl Weathers is Apollo Creed. <laughs> no, the a album, Judas I, character I, in his own way, I'm yeah. I need to know who did the album. Okay, hang on. I'm going to look it up. I'm just going to look it up as you're speaking. All right, but I'll speak. Um, you, you, in, you talk about. So I
1: loved rock operas, and then, um, uh, so I, it would it, only natural that, um, I'd write a rock opera. Am I a
2: musician? No. Um. You like all rock operas? Do you like Tommy? I like the concept. Of, yeah, I like Tommy. Okay, okay, okay. Musical by Tim Rice. Feel me. Right, right. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, Weber
1: and Rice. Weber don't and forget Weber.
2: Weber and Rice. But you you want the the soundtrack. You don't want.
1: Yeah. I, I, Jesus was the Deep Purple guy. Was it Ian okay. something?
2: Yeah. Hang on. Uh, oh yeah, Ian. I'm also. I should know these things because I'm a music person.
1: Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I just. It's age of stuff
2: in Yeah, I know. I'm trying to remember too. But this inspired you to take this on yourself. Is that well, what well?
1: It's it just. It was uh, in the back of my mind to do a rock opera, and also
2: Carl Anderson. You were correct
1: in the movie, but not Carl the, Anderson. Uh, not in oh, the, not in the uh, soundtrack.
2: Uh, okay, God damn it. I'm going to keep. Lo- sorry, I didn't mean to blast Not the soundtrack. I just The, in the movie. That's okay, the I'll find movie. it. I'll and find Ted it. Neely, of course, was Jesus, but we all know that. Right. Of course. Is that what that says? Ted Neely. It says uh, Ted Neely. Yes. Of course. Yes. Okay. Of of course, yes. <laughs> of course,
1: okay, definitely. okay, okay. So also, which um, to me was rock opera-ish, Uh when there were sides and albums, and I guess albums have made a comeback, so people know what I'm talking about. Side two of Abbey Road also influenced me. Oh yes, absolutely. The medley, the medley, where like it's, it's like two medleys, and then it seems like one big medley, and uh, like one giant song with all little parts. Um, and I just, when I, I got my first guitar at 32, and I learned, uh, how to play very badly. I can't really play. I'm not a musician. I can't tune a guitar without a tuner, and I can't, uh, play individual notes or riffs, but I can strum. So, um, I wrote songs sort of like, um, uh, mini, uh, <laughs> Abby Rhodes. Uh, and I've, I've written a lot of songs that I use in my shows that, that you may have seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I
2: saw your show last December, I think. There you go. It? And that at was. At the Rivoli? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think it'll be in the opening set. Because the uh, Rock opera is only 45 minutes long I'll be doing a couple Of songs from those Okay right It so yeah. so you and Alan Piggins As I recall Yes it will be Alan yeah. Piggins okay. Playing Dave Foley In the rock opera So the rock opera Is based on a true story That happened to Dave Scott Thompson and myself In um, 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 should, Do you mean need, need me to be quiet So you keep looking <laughs> No
2: no I'm I, Sorry I don't mean to interject here And I'm sorry that phones uh, Have You get the uh, album Yeah okay For the recording yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber And Rice Drew personnel From both musical theater Murray Head Had just left the West End production of Judas? Hair And the oh, British Jesus. rock scene Ian Gilly, Gillen, yeah, Gillen. D- D- Purple. yeah, Ian Gillen Is that yeah. right? Uh, had only recently become the singer Of Deep Purple. He was fresh to Deep Purple yeah. uh, Many of the primary musicians guitarist Neil Hubbard and Henry McCullough Bassist Alan Spencer and drummer Bruce Rowland Came from Joe Cocker's backing yeah? group yeah. The Grease Band And saxophonist Chris Mercer Had also played with Hubbard in Juicy was Mary Lucy was where he had Judas? Uh, y- yeah Sure. I don't know. I'm just I looking at... Jesus. Okay. You I think that might be correct. I'm I'm going to stop researching this <laughs> on the fly now, but I think that... Does that help? Did that help you? That makes me feel uh, helpful. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know the names off the top of my head.
1: I should have. I've known them for years. Uh, Murray Head, he was also in that great movie with Glenda Jackson, but I forgot the name, but don't Google it.
2: No, I'm not Googling it. Okay.
1: Uh, so, Sunday so you, Bloody Sunday. Oh, uh, that's great, a great song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie before the. Song. Right. So, uh, um, uh, so to go back even more and explain how this was born, um, for the past three years I've been doing a podcast. Yes. What Kevin happened? McDonald's. Has it stopped? It hasn't stopped. It's just that my producers. Uh, they have younger podcasts, far more successful than mine, doing 50,000. But they keep me because they like me and I like them. They're nice. Uh, um, uh, and I'm a kid in the hall, so I'm more known than the young people. Uh, right. uh, so uh, they keep me for that. And also, they like me. Yeah. Um, and uh, But I only average 3,000. Hmm. So um, uh, I still want to keep doing it. But instead of doing one once a month, I'm doing one every two or three months. But I want to keep doing it. To um, for the writing because I'm enjoying the writing because it's it's got a sketch a song um, it's, a, called,
2: a it's called story it's called what again Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald's yes, show just want to plug that for people
1: I only average three thousand listeners and uh, well, why, are
2: you, why does that bother you does that no well you?
1: no it's a kids in the hall thing I mean so Dave would have I bet Dave's because he's got one with Paul Greenberg and I'm sure his gets like thirty or forty thousand there are
2: so many of these podcasts now that the I'm sure everyone's taking a little bit of a hit.
1: Well, and mine is long, and it's a variety yeah. show It's great, I, I think it's very <laughs> inspirational very
2: It's got everything that one would want
1: Well, I'm going to keep doing it, but like less. Uh, I just want to make sure my producers don't lose money So, uh, Do you have some in the can, so to speak? Yes, I think I have two that are coming out um, One with uh, Thomas Middleditch, which oh, is cool. a good one And one with one of my favorite musicians that no one's heard of uh, in Charlotte. Uh, we did in Charlotte, North Carolina He's from there, and I was playing a festival there Benji U's Benji
2: U's. Okay, I'm not familiar with Benji. Well, uh,
1: later YouTube the, his song. Um, if, you know, if they have it on YouTube, uh, you stood me up. Okay, it's like a Brian Wilson song. Okay, at first okay. you think it's cute, but then by the end, nothing really changes about it. But then you go, "Oh my god, this is a great pop song with funny lyrics." Maybe a bit of an. It's extent. about a date where the woman
2: stands him up. Okay, and he finds out that she was lying. I see. Okay. Okay. So and this is a, a real music is a real passion. Yes. For you. Um, Even though yeah. you only started Playing guitar when you were 32 Yeah,
1: yeah It's again enough to Strum and I do songs So I was in one podcast uh, In Seattle In 2017 And um, uh, Name dropping Happening uh, And my friend um, uh, he, he is Ben Gibbard From Death Cat for Cutie Was yeah. going to be a guest And I had to start Like I said I always do a sketch A song A story An interview with the guest And I have fun With my guest announcer Whoever that is Conceptual fun Which means the audience d- Doesn't laugh and, um, and sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they laugh. No, never the announcer part. No, and no. It's, it's all That's always the conceptual part. They you probably know, enjoy the most writing. There's
2: a lot of pressure on an announcer at a, a show like yours because people are there to see you. That's true. That's and, true. And, and, and they I know give you're them the funny. weirdest thing. I right. Them. And they have to. You write the announcer's spiel's, right? Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. They've got to perform in your voice, and then the audience. Is and like, it's only funny in my voice, does <laughs> it?
1: <laughs> I think it
2: might be. So when <laughs> if they come early
1: enough to like have a rehearsal, my notes usually are like
2: this. Can you do more like Kevin McDonald? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just right. do this and that's not quite <laughs> that's right that's not quite right either. that's yeah. not quite right like, are you, there, do, there you, are times do a lot of people imitate you do you find
1: yeah yeah I'm the easy one to um, I mean, the kid
2: in, as the uh, kids in the hall people like to imitate you the most yeah
1: it's like uh, half Ronald Reagan and half <laughs> Kermit the front <laughs> <laughs>
2: you have like a cartoony kind yeah. of persona for some people do you uh, yeah. do you embrace that yeah this is just who you are. Because it's true. It, yeah, it is yeah, what it, it is. is. Yeah. So, okay, so you started, you oh, mentioned yeah. Ben Gibbard's uh, podcast. And
1: I was, uh, so the story I was writing for that one, it was a, it's a true story uh, with Dave Scott and I, um, and an uh, ex girlfriend of mine, uh, that was my girlfriend in 1991 during the run of the Kitson Hall series, where we go to New York. And it's a wild story, and it seemed like an epic story. And I thought Ben Gibbard's doing it. And you've always wanted to write, uh, wanted to write Kevin, a uh, rock opera. Um, or like a side two Abbey road kind of song, so I wrote a like a forty i guess it 's like forty two minutes right now though i 've added four more songs so, and when I do wow. next time it 'll be the four songs it won 't be the, the we 're going in the opening set we 're doing one of the songs one of the new songs in the opening set okay okay where I Kevin Mcdonald and then the rock opera say um, I sing a song about how a rock opera needs a hit song i re- oh I remember a part because because I need the lyrics and chords in front of me to do it i can 't memorize um <laughs> So you hum this in the taxi. I will repeat the part that's catchy. So you hum this in the taxi. That's going to be in my head. Part. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an earworm. It'll be more catchy, earworm. hopefully, with Alan playing it. And so I wrote this um, rock opera. I wrote it in a month, and uh, Ben Gibbard uh, played the part of Dave Foley. Oh, and it's like, like needs three or four singers, uh, depending on which city. Um, yeah, I've done this. This will be the sixth time I'm doing it. I'm like Chuck Berry. I like I pick a different band. No, it's Alan Piggins who's like a dear friend and a guy who dear friend something. That's how Bruce would put it. Dear
2: friend. Um, the, I know I know the, Alan from Guelph days. There uh, you go. Alan's from Guelph. There you go. And that's the Morgan was, Fields. That's right. And that's where we met. And his dad was actually one of my his late father was one of my first uh, teachers. Yeah, he was the like, psycho. I took like a, I was in English, but I took a he was I. I think it might have been the first course of my life at the University of Guelph was with his dad, yeah, uh, so who passed away. Sounds like a wonderful he guy. Was a never, very sweet uh, guy, and was a nice way to. And I learned stuff. Psychology is very interesting, don't you find? I. I <laughs> you said that in a psychiatric kind of way. I did kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, you do these interview podcasts a little bit anyway. Well, oh,
1: sometimes they become like uh, like a psychiatry session. There was one I did. I spent what was it uh, I did my Broadway run uh, my one man show which you saw yes um, in a week in August and I did so I spent a day at Sirius XM there and there was one guy who was like he was a comedian but he was like a psychiatrist and at one point I was uh, was talking about father love and things like that yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dave Foley I remember saying this Dave Foley said Kevin you just don't have To love your father Just because he's your father And then we had A deep conversation About that Me and the the host
2: Right So this is where We're at With these kinds of realms Is we're getting To stuff with it As a comedian How do you feel Like that's some dark stuff Yeah well I think that's um, I'm just using the word art Not because I'm a pretentious
1: But I don't know Any other word to say Because I want to mean Every kind of art form Um, My favorite artist Is John Lennon And John Lennon He uh, took his pain and made a catchy songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he sang um, "Help," the first verse is he's crying for help, and then he changes it to be about a girl. Right? I say girl because it was 1965, (laughs) not woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I have been mourning John Lennon's death since uh, I was a little kid, and you know, as we're speaking, it was just the 39th anniversary of his uh, assassination, and uh, so I've just been on a John Lennon tear myself. Uh, That's uh, right. But it's interesting. It's very like to have I have little kids and. It's raw like it's those amazing. solo records yeah. those first two solo records oh, are very raw
1: and especially the first one
2: but they speak to you as someone who also feels like an alienated
1: yeah well that's that's the best album ever and that's how I was going to lead you like I'm a loser helping to to the first solo album where it's a psychiatry album. Well, yeah. he just done the uh, Primal, Primal Scream. Scream and yeah. So it's a Primal Scream album. Yeah. And at the, I remember being like um, 13, 14, uh, when I finally got to hear that album, and it was uh, when he said, don't believe in Beatles. Like, I got it. I wasn't sad or angry at him. Yeah. I got it. Yeah,
2: it's such a beautiful way to And those. believe in me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, So, okay, so you've always related to... Have you always... Pain comedy. Pain comedy.
1: Well, here's the thing about comedy. It should be everything. It should be Jerry Lewis... Um, uh, just shtick. It should be Annie Kaufman, just c- conceptual, and it should be Richard Pryor. It should be pain comedy. Yeah, it, it yeah. should be all. Uh, lately, because I'm getting, because I'm closer to the end than the beginning, it seems to be more pain comedy. Right. Uh, but uh, in the span of my career, I, I would say, um, you know, uh, silly, clever, conceptual, and pain comedy. <laughs> it's, it's, it, uh,
2: to me, that it has to be all of that. Okay. So you, uh, as I mentioned, I've I saw you perform last year this one man show. Uh, this new show that you're talking about, the show you're doing in Toronto... The Rock Opera, rock which I don't have a name. I may call it Cheaters in Love, I don't know. So I accidentally thought you were doing Jesus Christ Superstar, but it's in Well, star- I know, that you're not the only one, so, don't worry. So does it have... It has no name right now.
1: No, the, the first... Uh, one of the new songs that... I'm not doing it Friday, but when I do it again, is um, the first... Uh, I'm going to have it before the show starts, like, uh, proper... We'll all be singing about how I liked Jesus Christ Superstar as a kid. So I've re- I've taken the courage of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, and I've written a melody about how Kevin liked it. And every now and then in the background, you hear the background the singers go, Jesus Christ. But okay, be, so yeah. this is a big production that is happening in Toronto? Well, this one, won't, that, that song won't be in. No, it's like a reading. That, that's another thing. <laughs> it's a, we'll all be reading, uh, like singing from scripts. Okay. Um, because we're only rehearsing tonight for the first time.
2: Have you staged this anywhere before? Yeah, this is the sixth time. Sixth time, okay. Yeah. And so it's we been... did it with Ben Gibbard in front of a live audience, right? Of course, in t- 2017. So that's yeah. the first time.
1: Yeah, that was the first time, and then I've done it uh, 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 Pittsburgh, a few other places, uh, Detroit, and I'm going blank. A few places. That's
2: fine. It's evolved.
1: It has, but they won't see the evolved version yet. Uh, like I said, I've added. It's going to be an hour long soon, and I'll add the the four songs. Okay. The four new
2: songs. Okay. Okay. So this is all kind of in between other things, you've got the podcast going on. Yes. I think you're writing a pilot.
1: I am writing a pilot with Norm Hiscock. um, Oh, from kids in the hall. Yes.
2: Uh, What's the pilot? Can you talk about it?
1: I think so. Uh, Why not? (laughs) (laughs) There's something I can't talk about. That's, uh, that's way more exciting. Uh, did you put that uh, by yourself? There's something that <laughs> I can't talk close. about. Is <laughs> that too close? No. That's way more exciting. There's
2: something um, way more exciting that I can't talk about. Why can't, you, why can't you talk about it? Why, what is going on that's so exciting that you can't talk well, about Well, it's
1: a kitchen it? in the hall thing that may or may not happen. The reason I can't, because it hasn't been finalized. Okay. It's just close, but there, but there is one uh, obstacle still in it, so um, uh, it may not happen. But it's, okay, that's uh, very exciting. Before we, but that's it. Before I well, del- that was it. <laughs> no,
2: no. Before I ask uh, any follow-ups about that, this pilot. What can you tell me about the pilot? Um,
1: uh, it um, we're writing it um uh, for a big producer, um who uh, and it's about a um it's going to be like a dark comedy version of a true thing that's happening. I think it's been happening since World War II. Um, where um, CIA, they go to the Arctic and they train seals and whales to be spies to
2: spy on Russia. Come on, that's not a real thing. It's a real thing. Where did you hear that? It, I, it's,
1: it's all over the internet. <laughs>
2: so it must be true. Yeah, yeah. It, we have
1: many stories. on. And it started in World War II with pigeons and it failed. And um,
2: Pigeons are very smart. We've used yeah. pigeons for all sorts of things yeah. uh, over the centuries, uh, uh, sending yeah. messages. Yes. Why do they... I don't know enough about the pigeon... Whales are also smart. I didn't yeah. think seals, and dolphins, and uh, dolphins uh, very uh, smart. Okay, maybe so you... seals is something we added, uh, but dolphins and whales for
1: sure. Okay, and, the pro- and we have a good idea where uh, we find out that one of the dolphins we're training is a double
2: spy for the <laughs> 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 double agent. <laughs> okay, so the producer is uh, uh, for the show Schitt's Creek. Is yes. that right? Yes, okay, ben, so it's a ben big Fagan. big producer.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't mean we'll get the show, but uh, but we're working on it, and it seems good. And the tone is uh, of it because uh, we're uh, we're. Comedy people is that it's going to be um, either you put it two ways, either a more a slightly more straight brain candy. Or slightly more funny,
2: burn this. Okay, okay, okay. That sounds good. That's yeah. right in the... M- okay, yeah. I think I understand the see zone. See they sort of meet? And yeah, it, it, I can one, f- s- little funnier, <laughs> one little funnier, <straighter>? one <laughs> I could see that. So <laughs> tell me about your relationship with Norm, though. Norm, I, I mentioned, yeah. is a, was a Kids in the Hall writer. Did you used to write with him a lot?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we wrote all the time together. Now, I always say that he was my writing partner, but that's unfair because he also wrote with Bruce all the time, Dave all the time, Mark all the time. He was kind of a cleaner, wasn't he? Like, he would help... He any- also did that, but it, but he was also a solo writer on his own. Oh, okay. It, it, like like in the fifth year we made him fourth and fifth year we made him a head writer in the fifth year he got his own office so he started writing things by himself and he wrote some scenes that people really love um, well he wrote scenes by himself before then but like the, the scene where um, created possibilities where I go uh, office submarine office submarine right like, right like he wrote that um, and I'm just going to blank on the others because of mode. But he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so
2: he has a significant. Oh, role. you know
1: what he wrote by himself without me. We, we wrote a lot of scenes together. This is weird that he wrote this without me because it so seems like I would have something to do with it. But but I was the star of it. The beard. Oh, where I go in the vacation beard. Yes, and that seems so much like something I would write. And he wrote it for Bruce. Right. And but he, and he wrote for me 11 sausages. Oh okay. This is when he was on the yeah, the 4th and 5th season when he was on the terror writing by himself and then Bruce saw something in
2: Love and sausages so we traded. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he's significant. He's a huge, but he's he's kinda... usually significant. And he, he's... he's just
1: not a a little tiny guy who uh, change these sentences. <laughs> he uh, he wrote a lot of this, uh, and together, of course, him and I wrote um, uh, King of Empty Promises. Of course, yeah, right. people know this, Kevin. Of, uh, King of Empty Promises and the Things to Do List and um, that was based
2: on you a little bit though, right? Yeah, I totally me. You used to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I still do that. <laughs> I'm a traveling alcoholic, so I always want to please people, and this I'll do it, and I mean it. Right. I, at least I think I mean it at the time, and then time fades. Right. Like this interview that I just
2: canceled. Oh yeah, but the other one, yeah. yeah. Thanks for making time for me. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. It's okay. Just
1: that it's the only time I can see Bruce, and we have this big thing that I can't talk to you about that we have to. Th-
2: Why can't you talk to me? about I came all the way it here. May fall af- what,
1: what about the the last twenty
2: three minutes? No, it's <laughs> been fine. You're keeping track that closely. Okay, that's no, fine. No, I, I
1: just guessed. What was it?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> don't worry. We, oh my God,
1: it was twenty minutes. I was close.
2: <laughs> okay, so you're there is some there's a press. I'm not re- timing. I just yeah. guess I appreciate we that at 12. there's a there is a feeling yes that something is going on with Kids in the Hall in the next year yes Bruce has alluded to this a little bit yeah I got a press release about this that says something's up yes but you can't talk about it only
1: because uh, it might fail and, and we're like play Canadians we don't want to uh, okay hurt anyone else that, that might be involved in it and uh, and uh, and who knows it may fail because of uh,
0: That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Uh, us or two of us or three of us or one of us. and It's so, five
2: yeah. guys. you got to really do, yeah. do a lot of stuff to pull you guys together. Like, yeah, I, yeah. There was an event uh, somewhat recently. And where, you got guns and roses together to do this thing. Of, <laughs> <laughs> there was an event not too long ago where I believe the kids in the hall were honored. Maybe it was at SF Sketch Fest or something like that. Oh, uh, no, no, it wasn't that. It was at the Canada Walk of Fame or whatever it was. Oh, that we got uh, became Canadian icons. That's right, the icon thing. I apologize.
1: And uh, yeah, when you have trouble with customs, try saying, "But I'm a Canadian icon." <laughs> yeah, step to the side,
2: sir. <laughs> but again, I noticed that, that never happened. I just was made it, it Mark who couldn't make it to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this logistical issue yeah. is,
2: is an ongoing. Well, thing.
1: yeah. I mean, we all want to do it. We all love each other. We're all like uh, friendly with each other than we've ever been, um, like super. Fr- but uh, one, uh, one or two or three of us might be busy. That's right. True. Okay. Okay. So
2: that's when's the last? Time it's not like fights or anything. Oh. I won't work with Foley. It's <laughs> not that. No, I've I've actually gotten the impression over the years, and it really came through. We're way closer than even, we even were when we were close. Did you read Paul Meyer's book? I read um, a third
1: of it. It's a great book. I just stopped. The only, I wasn't going to read it. I can't, like, anything I film, I can't see. Unless yeah. it's a Kiss in the hall thing, because we have to, like, prove things. Um, uh, and I, I wasn't going to read it, because it's, like, icky. It's, uh, what did Don Meredith say? It's like kissing your sister. What? <laughs> Danny a- Don Meredith was a famous football announcer in the 90s, uh, in the, sorry, in the 70s. And he would say, um, he was the charming one with Howard Cosell and Frank yeah, Gifford. Sure. And he would say, um, it's, it's like kissing your sister. A tie? A tie. A tie oh, game. Okay. A tie game.
2: Like kissing your sister. I've not heard that. That's
1: And I'm not sure what it means, but it <laughs> means something. It <laughs> it's like, that's... does it mean, oh, I'm kissing someone. Oh, it's my sister. I, I, well, what
2: it, does this have to do with the kids in the hall in that book? I don't understand. Uh, Just... uh, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, reading about icky? yourself is
1: icky. Okay. Okay. it's icky. That's what I mean by kissing your sister. Okay. okay. Uh, or kissing your aunt, uh, who does it straight on the lips. It's, uh, it's icky. But the other kids in the hall, they, of course, were reading it. Um,
2: well, Bruce uh, said he didn't read it. No, when you're right. Person to read it. It was, it was when Mark, David,
1: Scott uh, read, and they. Uh, and since I'm the thought of as the memory guy, because right. long term I saw memory. Short term, I'm going. Though I did forget Murray Head uh,
2: Well, yes, I had to Google some stuff, but that's fine. There's a lot of. But uh, the
1: myth that is that I'm the long term memory guy uh, before the aging process began. So deeply I was. So they asked me to read it uh, because they thought um, uh, everything was uh, wrong, and then when I read it, I thought, "Oh, it's not that it's wrong." It's that he took that part of the story from the Bruce, for example. So Bruce sees it this way, right. and, and oh, you, took, you think that's wrong? But that's the way I, I, Kevin McDonald, saw that part of the story. And after a third, I couldn't read anymore. It was as great as it was, just because it was icky to read about us. Mm, okay. Though so I learned more about Bruce than I like in back in Calgary that I knew about.
2: I find in my work that when I have a band together or, or a group of people together they are saying things to me in front of each other that they never say to each other. And that book has got to be the ultimate example yeah, of that. Yeah, because we all did hours of interviews away from each other. We right. never did it together with them, yeah. Okay, well, I brought it up because it does feel, at the end of that book... You know, you guys had some heart. You brought up Brain Candy. Uh, there have been some hard times in the legacy of the kids in the hall. Did
1: they say, does he spend a lot of time with Brain Candy? Because he talked to me so much, he sort of gave up on me at the beginning of my Brain Candy thing. Uh, Why? Why what, what did you have to say about it? I, I, well, I don't know. Like, What do I say about it in the book? You don't I can't remember. remember. I it was last remember. year or something. But
2: yeah. I, I, Well, yes, Brain Candy was this significant event because it was the first big project after the show had ended. Yeah. And the troupe was vaguely falling apart at the same time. So it's a significant, event. and it's an
1: emotion. There were a couple of like suicides in the family, yeah, and yeah. also we were, The writing was hard. It was us and Norm. Dave quit the troop. Though he had signed the contract the day before he quit the troop, so he had to do the movie. But, he, but here's the secret of the kids in the Okay, so I'm going to okay. tell you the secret. Please do. And yes, I may have said it in two interviews already today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wasn't there for those. So, so be new to me. So that,
1: as a as someone interested of the kids in the hall, yeah. I, I don't want to say fan, put the word in your uh, I'm mouth. I'm a fan, but but as a fan, I thought so. <laughs> um, uh, you may find it interesting. And the other kids in the hall don't think about this. And if they hear this, they may go, "Oh, no!" They go, "No, that's bullshit." Or they'll go, "Can I say that in this?" Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, maybe. it's just a microphone. It's just because you're going to write it up.
2: No, I'm going to do everything with it. I'm going to do as much as possible with this content, <laughs> Kevin. It's going to be. It's going to be a hat by Somehow, Friday. Exactly, it's going to be a hat. It's going to be some pants. <laughs> this is our interview, Kevin. <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, and some are going to say, "Yeah, I guess that's sort of true." Uh, but uh, this is the way that I clearly see the dynamic of the troop and how the trip worked. Um, when there was um, a creative argument about whether we should do this sketch or how we should do this sketch or how we should do um, the beginning you know, when we were all together, brain candy. Um, but, but even when we were a stage troupe, the dynamic is this. On one end, you have Mark and Bruce who were more artistically interested. Though they're like 100% comedians, don't get me wrong. But if it came to a point uh, of discussion and argument, they would go for the more artistic At the uh, opposite end of the spectrum is Dave and I, which is make it funny, funnier. It isn't funny enough. I'm the yeah, that's a nice uh, color to it, but it's up. And then you have in the middle Scott Thompson, who is like one of those American voters who's a centralist. Sometimes he votes Republican, sometimes he votes Democrat, depending on uh, who's running. So sometimes he sided for Dave and I, sometimes, and that's how the uh, sometimes he sided with Mark and Bruce, and that's how the scales were tipped uh, one way or the other, and that's how it worked. But in brain candy. And I went to a psychiatrist. I found out later that I was jealous with Dave's success. Uh. He was a star in news radio. Um, I, I, and also, I was half think, what's well, a story? We have to do a story. Uh, not everything, not every uh, line has to be the funniest thing ever. I went into the Mark and Bruce camp. So Dave was by himself, and he got frustrated. And he was alienated because he had to spend a lot of time in Los Angeles filming a show. Mm-hmm. And, and his precious Kevin, his girlfriend Kevin, was going with um, uh, Mark. And Scott went with us sometimes, too, because he also... Bought half of my argument that uh, it's a movie. Here's another problem with Brain Candy. Uh, may I tell you this? <laughs> yes, sir, please I haven't do. told anyone this. Okay.
2: Today. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'm getting an exclusive, a daily exclusive. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Everything to me, uh, career-wise and in, uh, in arts, uh, is compared to the Beatles in different levels. And, and and what in this respect, what I mean is the Beatles. They started off with uh, pop songs from Me To You, She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, which was wild. The core changes for that were wild at the time, but they were pop songs. Yeah. They got a little better and a, l- a little more complex. Then they were doing Rubber Soul, then a little more complex Revolver, and then they worked their way to Sgt. Pepper. I think we, for Brain Candy... It should have been a "She Loves You" uh, gag fest, right? And Brain and Brain Candy should have been our third movie. I think we jumped right into Revolver, right? Uh, before we knew what we were doing, and I like uh, I like Brain Candy very much. I think it's a very good movie.
2: No, it is the Revolver of the Kids
1: in the Hall. It is a Revolver, but we should have done her "She Loves You," right? And when her like um, you, uh, went, you went psychedelic, and yeah, you we, should have uh, went popular. We went to Poppy, yeah, exactly, Where, because um, Monty Python Holy Grail. Is a gag fest, and then life. They didn't do enough movies to do it well. But Life of Brian was a more mature. It was about something. Yeah, um, right, r- About following right. R- r-
2: people. But uh, but obviously, Brain Candy spoke to some mood or tone in the troupe. Absolutely, like you guys were in a dark. We place. were writing a comedy about depression. Right, and you. Who were de- does that? <laughs> <laughs> and you might have been depressed. Yeah, things were changing. People were b- breaking up. And yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Also, yeah. Um, uh, my wife left me right at the beginning um, of the writing process. Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law killed himself, and then Scott Thompson's brother killed himself. So, which means it was a brother, not a brother-in-law. So he was winning the uh, suicide. <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> uh, and and also we were all in the same room together, um, and you know we. Uh, we had written our sketches one or two, three at a time in the TV show. Right. The one, we wrote it all in the same room together in the old stage days. But but now we were all cocky and writers, and we had done five years of TV show. So we were all writing. Our assistant, Trisha Fish, who later became a successful writer on her own. Uh-huh. Um, uh, she was in the middle of this. and It was frustrating because as we were writing, we could never get to the next page until we all agreed, and we never agreed on anything. Yeah, yeah. So that really, with everything else that was going on, Dave sweating up and Dave and I were best friends. Like we sweat up, my wife sweat up, uh the suicides, the yeah um and the writing. Um but the writing was almost the hardest part of uh, it. Frustrating. Until the end when Mark was in I Live, um uh Scott was filled with grief and Dave was in LA and it became uh, Norm, Bruce and I. And right. and so we just had to go for speed. And that's when we sort of figured out act three. Right. And we um and that was sort of fun. Like I remember um Norm telling me, uh, you're writing a scene where Don finds out um, that the, um, uh, the, the, the drug is uh, doing very well in sales. Um write that up and bring it tomorrow. Right. So I wrote the scene. I was obsessed with Variety Magazine. Right. So I wrote the scene where he's reading Drug Variety and it's number one <laughs> Gleeman X is number one. Gleam X is number one. That's yeah. right. And and then Kelly Macon, the director, said we need a scene where uh Chris Cooper comes uh, finds um Mrs. Herdicure. I I if you don't know these names, watch the movie. It's fine. Yeah, uh, it's a cult um, classic now. It's a, well, I, I don't think it is. <laughs> is it not? I I I it never got bigger. It didn't get bigger, you mm, don't think? I, I don't think so. Mm. And uh, finally, she's in a coma, and I wrote the scene where I went in the the house, and the cats fall on my head. I go, "Cat in my head, cat, in my cat in my And so the last uh, like three weeks of writing was it, it was a smaller group, and it was fun. We were just solving problems and filling in holes
2: yeah. uh, of the script. So you characterized me as a fan earlier.
1: No, no, I I don't want to say fan. No. And then you characterize yourself as a fan.
2: I am a fan, and I I only want to ask this. I only bring this up because you're talking about all this pain, and. Your fans are a unique kind of fan. I think the Kids in the Hall fans. Yeah. Do you feel like we are responding either subconsciously or consciously to the pain on display? Huh? I, I'm not sure because you guys are a comedy troupe. Partially, you're very absurd. You're very funny. You're very absurdism reverent.
1: too. They're also responding to absurdism, but partially a bit of nihilism
2: too. And I feel like there's a connection between the nihilism and the pain and how we negotiate that a little bit. And I just wonder if that's true of my relationship with you. I, th- <laughs> Me personally, or me and the kids in the hall? You and the kids in the hall. I wonder about I, I, that
1: true. I, I think it's a part of it. Though. I, I don't think it's all of it. I think it's, um, and maybe people, some people react to the nihilism more. Some people react to the absurdism. Some people react just to the silliness of Dave and I, me in a dress on top of a piano, going, I can't sing, the, uh, I can't play the piano. Right. Like, um, I think it's all part of it, but, and some in bigger extremes, maybe some just may be the pain of it. Some I mean, it's a very sort of dynamic.
2: What do you find the most for you? That's Absolutely. that's what I'm wondering about because I'm really wrestling with this as I've gotten older too and have kids and my parents have been sick and all sorts of things. I've had to confront my own psychology and my own yeah. anxiety and stress that I never really I compartmentalized it. And so when I think of the things that resonated with me the most 20 years ago and your troop was one of them, now I'm starting to wonder what I related to Was it the rebelliousness of it? Was it the guts? Was it the kind of you know anti authority aspect or and now that I've read the book and i you know I was always constantly reading your interviews and all that sort of stuff, the pain is there that yeah. that is all fueled by pain right and it's a lot of its parental pain and existential pain <laughs> so now I'm thinking, oh maybe I relate to that pain and and we we're in these contexts podcasts comedians talking about. You know their core. There's almost always pain. Yeah,
1: uh, but remember, or
2: and remember,
1: <laughs> uh, be and negative. None of it works if it isn't funny without right. being comedy. Like um, I have only seen a little of the state, and and I'm friends with them now. But I, th- and you know, they made the top hundred TV shows of Rolling Stone, and we didn't. But uh, and I, I know they're funny, but I don't see any pain in the state. Right uh, You're a Canadian So maybe you're not too familiar With uh, with this thing Because they didn't show him Mike in Canada Michael
2: Lee and Black And I had a conversation I want to say 12 it years ago He was very funny And I know him now Extremely very Just very funny. Yeah, he's, very funny I will say Just to promote his Stand-up records in particular Among the funniest I've heard Yeah yeah, no, he's And a, it's very under the radar somehow like, He was a guest of my podcast He's very Yes funny. of course Anyway He the, was funny backstage That's me the acid <laughs> test being Sorry, So the first thing I, One of the The first time I interviewed him I asked him was the state influenced by kids in the hall? And it, I could hear it on the phone. His back went up. Yeah, because I think it, well, they were the they, they were compared to you so much yeah. at the time when they were on MTV that I think they grew to resent you guys.
1: And nobody once asked us about the state. No one asked you about the state. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's it, but you guys preceded them. Well, by a year, I think. Is that it? It's either a year or the same. I mean, that whole group is so huge now. Like all the comedians yeah, there.
1: That's the other thing. <laughs> This, this to me proves why the Kitson Hall as a troop may have been better than the, the state as a troop. Because they're way better as uh, individuals. Because right. they're way more successful as individuals. Right. We survive for the troop. Have you read the Kurt Vonnegut book, Slapstick?
2: Uh, no. Uh,
1: in Slapstick, there's two twins that, when you separate them, they're idiots. And when, you, uh, when they're in the same room, they're geniuses. They right. figure out the world's problems.
2: One dumb guy is the yeah. expression, right? The, uh, yeah. That's the, you. That's the, you said that about kids in the yeah, hall, Yeah,
1: right? yeah. But because it was the 90s, what I, I originally said it was one, uh, one fat dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can't have one
1: fat dumb no. guy. I, you know what? I think I said one big dumb guy. Oh, okay. I think Paul Myers may have been uh, afraid of the word big. Right. But you are one. I mean yeah. that. But that, what, Like it, it's a bad rhythm
2: to me. Like Norm said. But you said one big dumb guy. What was he say? But you're or also married that? to this troop. Like, are you? Yeah. Have you? Are you okay with that? Like the people are coming to see oh, yeah. you because of that? Absolutely. I mean that's what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm very funny,
1: but um, well, for a lot of reasons, I, I don't know if I would have been. Uh, if, not that I'm super successful, but as successful as I even am without the kids in the hall. Right. Uh, There's an alchemy They taught me to bring out the pain in a way, right? Right, right. I mean, Bruce McCullough, like, um, here's another Beatles thing. <laughs> Every artist has a Lennon McCartney in themselves. Yeah, yeah. McCartney's clever, Lennon's soul. McCartney's imagination, like Eleanor Rigby. Imagination, but no pain there. Right. Lennon is, uh, I'm a loser. Hell, um, and I think the best artist has both of that. Uh, but Bruce McCullough was like
2: my John Lennon of comedy Richard Pryor is a John Lennon of comedy Right, right, right Because uh, they, they take their pain Yeah And they translate it into something else Yeah, exactly And it speaks to a universal feeling Yeah So there's something There's an alchemy in the kids in the hall I'm aware of this uh, And I think that's why there's always a clamoring For you guys to do stuff And I think that's why you It's not just I assume it's not just because it's Viable or financially viable Like you need It is not <laughs> Being in the kids in the hall, though, I mean, when you get together, that usually... Oh, it's the most financially viable, yeah. the stuff I do. <laughs> right, right, right. So so there's a reason, but that's not the only reason you do it, right? You're no, a No, no,
1: it's, it's like um, like so the kids in the Kitson hall originally were 13 other people, and they were all as funny as the five of us, as you know, as the kids in the hall. But when everyone quit to get successful writing jobs and stuff, and, uh, the five of us had chemistry, and there's something special. And I remember being a movie usher, At Carlton Cinemas, right? Yeah, feeling like uh, being proud that I uh, we we had the name of the group. Finally, we were just a stage troupe, but um, the kids in the hall, they're like feeling part of something big, like a street gang. Yeah, it was like when a a kid in New York has a frustrating light. This is the '50s West Side Story street gangs. (laughs) I I get it. Uh, And he he joins a street gang, and he's part of something. Yeah. And I, yeah, that means you have a huge hole in you And it had the least other psychological problems But forget that for now <laughs> It made me feel something uh, That I was part of something that was bigger than myself But that I definitely contributed to
2: Yeah, you have these guys who Don't really have a Except for Mark, I think You don't really have a solid family structure And then you made your own family Yeah That's pretty much how it works Yeah, you know, the biggest dysfunctional family I'm in Is the kids in the hole <laughs> well. Okay, so they will reconvene at some point and you're going to make some kind of announcement at some yeah, point. Yeah,
1: yeah. And if the amazing thing doesn't happen, we'll, we'll always tour. Yes, you <laughs> will do. Her. And
2: that might happen maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, you can't say. Well, hopefully, we'll do something next year. I hope I'm not. I just can't guarantee I'm anything. I'm not prodding. Am I, am I probing? I've asked, no, no no, okay. yeah, no, no. These are just the questions no, no. people this want to know the answers Look,
1: so. I, I'm the guy going,
2: I may be doing <laughs> something amazing with <laughs> Are any kids at the hall going to be. Uh, I'm wearing a pretty dress. You're just. <laughs> sorry, that's sexist. That was better in 1984. I'm so sorry. One. Pretty dumb guy is yeah, what the, yeah, yeah. the original expression was. Are any kids in the hall appearing with you at the Rivoli? Is that last time? Not Bru-
1: this time. No, though. Bru- I asked Bruce to do the opening set with me because we used to do a thing in the eighties at the Rivoli. We opened for the people called Bruce and friend Kevin, right? Where he plays bass and I. I didn't have my guitar yet. I wasn't thirty two yet, so I had my jar of pennies. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And but he said he was busy, but he's here now. He's so, in Toronto I, I mean It's too late to change
2: it I asked him to be on my um, He was supposed to be in Halifax Oh, is that what's going on? But he isn't He's
1: here Like I'm, I'm meeting him uh, in a couple
2: hours Yeah, later. I exchanged emails with him About him being on my um, long night talk show That I'm staging opposite your event I apologize But I'm sure you'll be fine um, and <laughs> Maybe not <laughs> So, so okay So uh, people will go see that show uh, Are you still doing your workshops? One of the reasons yes. we encountered each other in Guelph because you were doing uh, some comedy workshops and some uh, performances. So are you still doing those?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I go uh, almost every weekend to because uh, I live in Winnipeg. Yeah. So um, how is that? How's the men- Winnipeg now? I you know I slipped on the ice uh, on October 29th and broke my elbow. How is it? Go-
2: oh, yeah, you mentioned that before we yeah. started rolling. It's
1: a, it's getting better. It's it's ahead of its uh, time for bending. It's bending way more than it should, but it's, it should be straighter.
2: Oh, that's kind of like you. Yeah. You're bending yes. too much. <laughs> Yes. Sorry, the mic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I see that sort of now. That's it's horrible. But it, it's, get,
1: it's getting a little better all the time, and I'm doing physiotherapy. Okay, good. So that's Winnipeg.
2: I, I'm so. Ho- I hope Winnipeg's treating you okay. You like it there still? Yeah, yeah, but we're moving into Los Angeles soon. Oh, you are. Okay. I mean,
1: I haven't planned anything yet, but uh, you think you're? We'll be, moving? Yeah. We'll, okay. okay. We'll I'm I'm that.
2: moving to the prairies to Edmonton. Yes, yes, you told me that. Yeah, yeah, so that's gonna. I thought we would see more of each other, and it turns out it'll be. Well, who knows less. how
1: long it'll take me to do it, but.
2: Uh. <laughs> and they're not that close anyway. we'll, we'll but th- when I come to Edmonton uh, to do another workshop, we'll, uh,
1: well, I'll email you and we'll. Uh, get yeah, we together, could, so. Yeah,
2: because we had an interesting interaction the first time I met you yeah. on the street in Guelph, which I've talked hi about Kevin. many times. Hi, Kevin. And yeah. I uh, say hi, Parker. Kevin, and you say hi, Kevin, <laughs> which I just threw me off for the rest of the month.
1: To me, my inside joke is that I am uh, I'm new to the country, and hi, Kevin means hello. Yeah,
2: it's good. It's it's Kaufman-esque It is It's
1: it's almost a taxi Here's the thing about Andy Kaufman And then I'll stop talking And (laughs) leave And go to my hotel room um, um, Andy Kaufman He was the king of anti-comedy But the beginning uh, of it It was still comedy enough That there were payoffs and then it became more anti. And then it came to the point where his act was um, uh, being a busboy at um, what was that re- chain restaurant in Los Angeles? Oh right? yeah, um,
2: yes, I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of it right now. <clears throat> I said it the other day, just, Morty's? No, that's not. That's, but something that's, like yeah, yeah, something like that, that. Yeah, it's a famous one. Yeah,
1: uh, and so like that to him was performing comedy that it, it wasn't funny. Uh, uh, because he would take the bus after taxi rehearsals, after the TV show, like his TV show taxi after, and go work at the bus bar where nobody knew who he was.
2: Right? Do you ever indulge in that kind of anti-comedy? On some level, is making comedy that amuses yourself first.
1: Yes. Do you? Well, an- I
2: did with you when I said hi, Kevin.
1: Yes, you did. But on stage, uh, I'm in more in the Steve Martin school of anti-comedy, where I think he was the king of it, uh, because uh, I think anti-comedy is making fun. Anti-comedy at its best, in my opinion. Is making fun of comedy While celebrating it At the same time Therefore This is the example uh, When Steve Martin Put the arrow on his head He was making fun of uh, Comics who The put arrows on, But At the same time It's funny to see a guy With an arrow on his yeah, head Yeah Yeah Yeah, yeah. Gary, <laughs> That, that Gary, to me is at its best I've Gary been, Shandling is anti-comedy
2: Gary Shandling used to do this I've been re-watching The Larry Sanders show Which features Scott uh, That is my favorite TV show of all time And his first show Was really anti-comedy it's the, it's the Gary Shandling show As well There is this Impulse among comedians to make fun of comedy a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's sort of the hip thing. Do you know Andy Kindler? Yeah, of or course. Do. Andy was he's just the on king, the show. He's yeah. the king of anti-comedy. He
2: is. He's making fun of comedy yeah. as he's doing comedy. And when he Like
1: when he compared uh, Dane Cook to Hitler. Yes.
2: Because
1: at least Hitler had a point of view.
2: <laughs> Andy is so funny. and so That's under- pretty brilliant. It's so... Weird to be so anti-populist as an audience- yeah. pleasing comedian. I know it's so odd. But I, the thing is, I,
1: I've I've seen him for a million times. We just did a festival together last summer. And I've never seen him not
2: kill He always does well I think the people who, who are there I mean
1: I guess I guess a, f- a few times Maybe he hasn't but he, but he can kill Doing his anti-comedy stuff
2: I love when he's not killing And then then he starts to kill Based on that Yeah yeah but exactly When it's faltering He's and- the
1: anti-Johnny Carson uh, Yes
2: exactly <laughs>
1: he, <laughs> he, what's that, the, the first time I saw him In the 95 I just remember a joke from his Where he goes uh, And I agree with this 100% I've never been a fan of this group But he said I, I finally get it Why women don't like The Three Stooges they're not funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Andy's the best. Anyway, you're... Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a whole universe. Thank well, okay, Kevin, thank you for this. No, uh, thank you. Where can people learn more about you and your stuff? <laughs> I want people to... I know you have to go. I have
1: a Twitter thing. I, that's all. Uh, the Kids in the Hall website
2: page uh, tells you where I'm going. Like your workshops and all that? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, where am I going next? Uh, I'm doing... Uh, oh, in Los Angeles in January, I'm doing... Um, on the 11th I'm um, doing two shows the uh, my one man show which yeah. you saw uh, at the, D- uh, Dynasty t- Typewriter, is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. And then I'm doing San Francisco Sketchfest. Uh, oh, I thought you would know. You know, know. know Annie Killer was a guest on your show. <laughs> you should know Dynasty Typewriter. Yeah, it's I've the heard new of that. place where people do things. Okay. And then I'm doing, uh, San Francisco Sketchfest, where I'll be teaching a workshop and, uh, and also doing a million things. Doing my one man show. Scott's opening for me for somewhere. I don't th- they told me that Scott was opening, doing a half hour version of his
2: one man show. His show is great, too.
1: Well, he just called me and said, uh, we should talk together, we should get together and tell about what we're gonna do in San Francisco. So I don't Know what's gonna oh, okay, okay. Thought, uh, but it doesn't matter
2: are you finding that you're learning stuff from you. this workshop the, the workshops you absolutely do? yeah i healthy. say that all the time yeah okay, okay.
1: um because i also tell them um, don't be afraid of bad work because you learn more you learn as much from bad as from good work and because I've seen a lot of bad work, <laughs> I, I, I sort
2: of have learned. A lot. I've also seen lots of good work. I, I assume that the students are hopefully, at least initially, starstruck, and then they get comfortable, and then.
1: Oh yeah! By like like it's like two days from like ten a.m. to five thirty p.m. with an hour off for lunch, and by um by like two thirty the first day they're going. No, I'm not going to do that note. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they they. Or why? <laughs> why should we But you appreciate note? that pushing the pushback. I, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, thanks I, for uh, saving I, me. There, I thank you so much <laughs> for being you. on my show, and I, I hope You're we cool. talk thank again.
1: You. Yeah, we will. <laughs> okay, thank bye. you. Do I keep the mic? No, Take no, it. You don't get
2: Tremendous gratitude to Kevin McDonald for returning to Creative Control. That was fun. A real treat. And this time he was on the five hundred and twelfth episode of the show, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and Spotify, Audio Boom, YouTube, whatever whatever you think. Whatever you can think of, it's it's likely there. If you can't find an episode of the show that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my newly designed website, vishkana.com. And vishkana, spelled exactly as it sounds. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. Also, visit patreon.com slash control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. And once again, in case you uh, missed it, There's a new $6 tier. $6 and above, as a matter of fact. Gets you access to exclusive content from Creative Control. I dig into my archives and find old interviews or interesting things, and I post them to the uh, Patreon page for those of you who donate $6 or more. So if you're intrigued by this, most recently, a 2011 interview with Bonnie Prince Billy, Will Oldham. It's like an hour. It's just me and Will chatting I thought you might want to hear it. So, again, go to patreon.com slash creative control to learn more about how to participate in all of that. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Everlasting love and gratitude to Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim and and his work at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Creative Control and telling your friends that maybe they should also listen to it and subscribe to the show and then tell their friends and their uncles and aunts to listen to the show. That always helps. It's a good demographic, the uncles and aunts. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say for now. So I'm going to go. But I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.